weeks ago, my wife was driving home from Chattanooga when suddenly her GPS routed her off of the highway onto a, a rural road and, and it added about an hour to her trip home. And she hadn't noticed any traffic warnings or any, you know, any sign that there was an accident ahead. Uh, when she attempted to get back on the highway, it kept routing her again off into the back roads. And not really knowing the way back on her own, but knowing that that wasn't it, she stopped and she rebooted the GPS and she got back on the highway, but it still kept getting her off the highway uh, onto the back roads. And so confused and a bit frustrated, she ended up literally taking the long way home. And as she shared this discouraging development with me, it suddenly dawned on me that on our last trip together, when we were going and got stuck in all this traffic and we were trying to find a, an alternate route around all the heavy traffic, that I had gone to the settings and set it to, to avoid all highways. <laughs> and I never put the setting back. And so here's my poor wife suddenly getting the scenic route when all she wanted, all she needed was the shortest route home. The directions that had been helpful for us when we needed them a few weeks before and in that situation now actually led her astray from where she wanted to be on that long ride home. And in a, in a, in a GPS-dependent world, we have become so reliant on simply being given step-by-step instructions to follow. And the reality is we sometimes expect life to be like that as well. We want to know the shortest route to healthy relationships, the easiest, easiest path to a strong marriage. We want to, to know the best way to raise godly children, the quickest way to a successful career, the safest course to a long, healthy, and happy life. What is the right system of government? What is the the best form of education? What is the most empowering approach to to economics? All these things we we desire just to be given step-by-step instructions. Just give us a list. Help us to know the best and surest way. And there are lots of GPS-like voices out there promising that they know the way. But when it comes to instructions for for navigating the the journey, the path of life, God does not function like a GPS. He doesn't show us necessarily the shortest or the quickest or the safest or the most direct or the most enjoyable pathways of life. God and his word are, are more like a compass than a GPS A compass, rather than giving you those step-by-step instructions, it points you in the right direction. It orients you towards a fixed, immovable point, namely true north, in the case of a a literal compass. And it leaves you to, to navigate the various twists and turns along the way as best fits your particular situation. And God, in giving us all that we need for life and godliness, he does it by orienting our our hearts and our lives to a fixed, immovable, true point of reference, namely himself. And then, then he instructs and he guides and he directs us in the everyday decisions and the everyday choices and circumstances of life through what the Bible calls wisdom. 
And the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Indeed, it's a book of God's wisdom. It is part of a, of a genre in the Bible known as the wisdom literature, which, which includes Job and Psalms and, and Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs. It is a practical, insightful, relevant, instructive book of principles for navigating and, and living life in a created and an ordered, yet a, a broken and an uh, unpredictable world. It is filled with with truths that can be applied to the nitty-gritty details of everyday life. Much of it, much of it garnered from real-life experience of those who have, have gone through it, and much of it given to us here in this book in the instructive form of a, of a wise father to his son or, or personified in a, in a contrast between Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly or, or as we often think of it in this, these poetic comparisons of these memorable, pithy little... F- Proverbs, these truisms, these maxims that reflect the general application, that have general application in all kinds of, of situations. And Proverbs deals with a variety of subjects that have been and are still relevant to our everyday life, such as making wise choices, handling money, getting along with others, choosing friends, raising children, dealing with pride or anger or self control. Use of words and speech, doing justice and and loving mercy, dealing with marriage and sexuality, avoiding evil, showing compassion. There's all kinds of things that we find wisdom oriented toward in here. Derek Kidner in his excellent commentary summarized Proverbs as putting godliness in working clothes. (laughs) Putting godliness in working clothes. So in short, the book of Proverbs is one of the main textbooks in God's school of wisdom where we learn practical insights and principles for wise living. And that's why I'm calling this series over the summer, Summer in the School of Wisdom. And we'll not be going through the whole book chapter by chapter, verse by verse, because that's not the way the book is laid out. It's not the way it's meant necessarily to be, to be uh, taught and used. But we will be looking at different sections, different, different passages and groupings of verses and addressing some of the themes and topics that are prominent in this book to see what God has to teach us in these various areas regarding how to, to live for him and to love like him and to, and to point others to him. And even though the book seems to, to lack structure and flow, that's not to say that there's no purpose or method behind it. We see in verse, in verse 1 of the first chapter, the book is attributed to Solomon, the son of King David, which is to say that the majority of its contents likely find their origins from him, but not all of them. The first nine chapters contain instructions from a father to a son, and, and these kind of lay the foundation and, and set the overall theme of wisdom. <clears throat> then chapters 10 through 22 contain specific proverbs. These short sayings that are attributed to to King Solomon. And then a couple of of chapters of general proverbs that are just attributed to the wise. And then more proverbs from Solomon as it's compiled by Hezekiah's men. And then a chapter at the end of words from a man named Agur. Followed by words of King Lemuel. And concluding with the well-known tribute to the woman and wife who fears the Lord. And so even though we will be going through the book somewhat topically and over a short 
time this summer, Proverbs is not meant just to be a a reference guide where we go find a few clever verses or sayings to help us gain perspective or get guidance in a particular situation. Rather, it's meant to be a, a kind of instruction manual. It's meant to be a manual of wisdom and it's meant to be gone through with others in community. First in the home as parents and children and in the family of God doing life together. Learning over years and years of of not only uh, uh, studying and, and hearing and thinking about these but applying them in life. And learning how to live again in light of who God is and how he has created us. So let me encourage you at the outset of this, this series, like the Psalms, to make Proverbs a part of your daily devotion and prayer life. It's got 31 chapters. Read a chapter a day, each day of the month. Take a particular saying or group of sayings with your children over, over dinner or your spouse or just with a group of people and talk about those instructions and how they might apply in particular situations that you may be facing. And what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is just to answer four questions about wisdom from these passages which we read. Number one, what is it? Number two, who is it for? Number three, why do we need it? And number four, where do we get it? So that's what we'll be looking at. If you're taking notes or, or children, if you're following along, that's, those are the questions we're going to look at. First, what is true wisdom? And maybe the best way to begin answering that question of what is true wisdom is, not to, is to say what it is not. True wisdom is not simply knowledge. Often people will equate wisdom with how much you know. It's something we often think is dispensed by professors in classes or, or handed out through degrees. And certainly education, certainly knowledge, certainly information is important as we uh, it has a bearing on wisdom. And there are times when acting simply on what you know, on your intelligence alone, is the wise thing to do. Like, don't stick your hand in a fire. You know, don't jump off a cliff thinking that you can fly. That's just basic knowledge. But greater knowledge doesn't necessarily translate into greater wisdom. There are some very unwise smart people remember Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 perhaps with this very book in mind distinguishes between what he calls wisdom according to worldly or human standards which he says in reality is is folly is foolishness and the wisdom of God and so true wisdom is not measured by by one's IQ It's not how smart you are, nor is true wisdom simply a matter of of being ethical, of following some some moral code or some rules of conduct. There are plenty of commands in Scripture, again, that you don't need wisdom to know what to do, and doing them no matter what is indeed wise. It's never right to cheat on your spouse. It's never right to, to steal from your employer. It's never right or wise to abuse a little child. But you can be generous and give to the poor and actually do more harm than good. You can seek to heal a broken relationship with words and actions that will actually stoke the conflict rather than soothe the relationship. 
The majority of circumstances we face and decisions and actions we take are not simply a matter of of having information or of following certain rules. They require wisdom. They require wisdom. Who should I hang out with? Should I get married or not? And if so, to who? Or to whom? Which one is right? I'm an English teacher. I should know that. Should I take this job? Should we send our kids to this school? Should I comment on this post? Should I vote for this candidate? Should we watch this Netflix series? Should I take this class? Wisdom is God's truth learned and lived out. It's, apply, it's, it's God's, God's principles for living applied to various realities and differing circumstances and differing decisions. Kids, you might think of it like this. It is the ability to make good decisions in line with who God is and what he says. It involves more than just knowing information or following rules. And we see that in some of the other words used in these passages. It involves insight, which means being able to discern a situation, being able to know how things really are. Think about how many times you may have made unwise decisions because you respond based on assumptions rather than taking time to understand what's really going on, what's really happening in this situation. That's why there's often not a lot of wisdom in social media commentary because we don't have full insight. We're not, we're not there with the person. We're not, uh, we're not attuned to all that's going on in that situation. And so it involves insight, knowing how things are and what's real and what's true and, and what's happening. It also involves prudence and discretion. We see that in both of these chapters, in chapter 1, verse 4 and 8, where wisdom says, I, am, I have with me prudence and discretion. Wisdom takes, a, that, 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 that means wisdom takes a measure of cunning. Kind of like we talk about being wise like a fox, right? It means, it means having a, 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 a sense of when and how to, to do something or act upon something. And it involves just common sense. It involves knowing how and when to act. Which is why at times certain proverbs can seem totally contradictory. The most well-known example being perhaps Proverbs 26, 4, and 5, which we'll probably look at later as we, we get into this series. But verse 4 there says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. And then verse 5, right after that, says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Well, which one is it? <laughs> when... Do we answer a foolish person or do we not answer a foolish person? Well, it takes wisdom to know when is the right situation. What's going on behind that? If a person is just being, being foolish and, and building himself up and such, you may want to answer him and so that he doesn't think he's headed on the right path. But if he just wants to argue for argument's sake and you're never going to change him, then you know it's not worth answering him. Wisdom will dictate whether or not we should what we should do in a particular situation. And as we grow in wisdom, we grow in our ability to not just discern things, but also to be able to know when and how to act upon that knowledge wisely. And that's, why, that's what the book of Proverbs is about. It is meant to give us competence and confidence in dealing with the, with the realities of life as we face them. And to do that in the context of God's truth. 
As it says in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1, wisdom has two goals, to know and understand the way the world really is and how things work and to instruct and guide us in how to act accordingly with righteousness, justice, and equity according to God's will and ways. So as we look at Proverbs, it's important to keep a few things in mind. First, it's intensely practical more than it is theological. It is theological, but it's not so much arguing doctrine as it is applying doctrine to the situations in our lives. And thus the Proverbs or sayings we will encounter are what we might call, we might call truisms. They're, they're not commands, they're not promises. They involve principles that are generally true in life, but not always. And thus, they're not promises. If you work hard, generally, you will find success and you will, be, uh, um, you will, you will see success, but not always. If you train up your children in the way they should go, they, they should follow Christ in faith, but not always. That's not always true. Wisdom is understanding these principles and seeking to live them out in the varied circumstances of life. So who is wisdom for? That's what wisdom is. Who is wisdom for? Chapter 1-4 says, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. When we think of, of someone who's simple, we might think again of someone who's who lacks intelligence, or who is, sometimes we say, simple-minded. But here, that's not what he's talking about. It's not, it, it just means those who, who lack experience, who, who have not been instructed, who are not yet mature in the things and the ways of life, which is why it is often used in tandem with youth. Young people, even though you might think you know it all, you do not. <laughs> Youth is a time when you are still figuring out the way. You have not had life experience. You don't know all the varied subtleties of life. And so you need guidance. You need direction. And that's why God has given you parents. And, and why as parents you, parents, you have a high calling with your children to guide and instruct them in wisdom. And it's why much of Proverbs comes in the form of a parent's instruction to a child. But wisdom is not just for the, the inexperienced and the uninitiated and the young in life. Verse 5, chapter 1 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands obtain guidance. We never actually arrive at being wise. <laughs> We continue to grow in wisdom. It's not a destination, it's a journey. Jesus, when he was young, we're told, grew in wisdom and stature. We don't seek to master wisdom, but we seek for wisdom to master us. And so Proverbs is directed at the young and the old. It's directed at the, at the simple and the wise. It's directed at, at those who are are um, immature and those who are mature. And even though it's often directed from fathers to sons or as a call to young men, wisdom is personified as lady wisdom and modeled in the woman who fears the Lord. So its principles apply across all ages, all genders, ethnicities, and social status. Wisdom is for all who will listen and understand and receive it with humble hearts. And so that's who it's for. Why do we need it? In some ways, we've already answered this question. 
as we've defined wisdom, but perhaps the best way is to take us back to the GPS illustration. The Bible, and especially Proverbs, sees life, as I said, in terms of a journey. We're moving towards a, a destination. We are walking a path. And we need guidance. We need direction in navigating the pathway of life. And no two paths are the same. No two journeys are the same. All of us have different backgrounds. All of us are are in different circumstances. All of us will face different realities, different trials, different struggles, different joys. But all of those, the desire for God is to lead all of us in the right direction, to to have us Go those paths oriented towards him. And so wisdom serves to give us instruction and guidance to stay heading in the right direction, heading along the right path that God has for us. And that comes through knowing and understanding God's truth, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Have you ever gone hiking in the dark or been out in the woods in the dark? If you're in total darkness... It is, it is a strange feeling. You walk and you feel like you're just going to bump right into something. And indeed, unless you have something to see by, you will bump into something. You have to have something to see by, whether it's a flashlight or a, or a candle or the, the moon. And God's word helps us to see the way and avoid the dangers in life. But it also comes through the guidance and experience of those who have gone before us down the path. If there's someone walking with us who knows the way, we can follow them as one who is wise. And we gain insight from those who have been through the same things we experience in life. The the struggles we face, the, the trials we've had, or those who can speak into various situations. And one of those specifically gifted with wisdom from God was King Solomon. And as I said to the children, God appears to Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3 to ask him, what shall I give you? And Solomon replies, I am like a little child and I do not know how to go or come in. He's admitting his his need and he says, therefore, give your servant an understanding mind and to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. Solomon asks not just for knowledge, but for wisdom. And God is pleased to grant it. He says to him, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arrive after. We're told in scripture, Solomon was the wisest man on the earth. Rulers and people from all nations came to hear his wisdom, to learn from him. And as a result, God blessed him with power, with with wealth, Solomon knew what it was to have a heart for the Lord and to to seek after God's wisdom. But Solomon was also acquainted with the path of the fool. (laughs) He loved women and he married a lot of them. He married many foreign wives for political reasons and and this turned his heart from God and toward idolatry and and this led eventually to division of the kingdom under Solomon's sons and, and centuries of rebellion and strife among God's people. If anyone knew the blessings of wisdom and the curses of folly, it was Solomon. And he was a man who perhaps better than anyone knew both paths. He understood all too well the the blessings that come in walking closely with God and the danger and pain of becoming wise in your own eyes. 
And God used Solomon's experience to record for us words of wisdom and advice here and in the other wisdom literature. We need wisdom to live as God designed and desires for us to live. And the importance of wisdom to life is seen ultimately in its value. Wisdom herself in chapter 8 tells us that what she has is more valuable than gold, worth more than silver, of greater beauty and, and value than fine jewels. In fact, she says in verse 11, all that we can desire is not comparable to gaining wisdom. Think about that. Think about all that you desire. Think about all that you would long to have in this life. What do we need more than than wealth or health or power or fame or happiness or you go on and fill in the list? Whatever the world has to offer, more than that, we need the ability to grow and learn and live with joy, peace, confidence in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. And that is what wisdom brings. Wisdom is necessary for living life as God intends it to be lived. By wisdom, we're told, kings rule and govern justly. With wisdom are riches and honor and enduring righteousness. Her fruit is sweeter than the most pure honey. And the heart that is growing in wisdom is indeed a wellspring of life. And so that's why we need it. And so lastly, where do we get it? True wisdom doesn't come from Solomon or any other man or woman's experience. One thing Solomon learned through his life is that true wisdom has a source, and that source is ultimately God. The theme of Proverbs and of life is found in verse 7 of chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9 10 says it this way, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The path to wisdom, brothers and sisters, begins with God. It comes from, he is the fountain, he is the source of all true wisdom. It is rooted in a right relationship of of awe and respect and knowledge and trust in him. All true wisdom springs from God because God by nature is all-knowing and all-wise. And so wisdom is not just practical, It's not just personal. Wisdom is a person. Wisdom is a person. We see this in the personification of wisdom in chapter 8. And this is is poetry. It is poetic imagery. It is is meant there to, to teach us some truth. But it does reflect a reality. Wisdom is not just an abstract principle. It is an actual person. Wisdom is portrayed here in chapter 8 as present at God's side, at work like a a master workman in the very creation of the world, the one in whom God delights and who delights with God and rejoices in all his creation. The way the world was made, the way things are meant to be, the way mankind was created in God's very image and delighted in by God is a result of, of the wisdom of God who was present and at work with God before him, with him before the foundation of the world. And so, if you wanted to gain knowledge or wisdom in a particular area, who would you go to? If I, want, if I wanted to, to, to learn to play golf well and wisely, 
I'd probably go to Jack Nicholas or Jordan Spieth. I would not go to, say, one of my sons. That would not be helpful. Well, take that principle, magnify it a million times, and you'll see that if we want wisdom and instruction for life, how this world really is, how this world really works, we go to the one who created this world, who created life. And knows beyond all doubt the way to live life as it was meant to be. And so the first step in gaining and learning wisdom is to to enter into relationship. to, To submit oneself to the one who has all wisdom. And the wisdom of God has been given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. You may remember from our study in 1 Corinthians. Paul says again in chapter 1. Jesus became for us the wisdom and righteousness and sanctification of God. John, in the opening chapters of his gospel, speaks of Jesus as the word, the logos. This was a a term that that spoke of the ultimate source of of knowledge and wisdom. And John tells us that the word, the wisdom, was with God in the beginning and was God. And that that wisdom became flesh and dwelt among us. Solomon personified wisdom as a lady calling out in the street for men to follow her path. And God sent his son Jesus into this world as wisdom calling people from all walks of life to come and follow him. He came that we might know the truth and that truth would set us free. Tim Keller says, wisdom is not a body of knowledge to master. It's not a body of principles to memorize. It is an embodied person to know and to follow. So Jesus was more than just a speaker of God's wisdom like Solomon was. He was the very embodiment of that wisdom. He did more than than speak the truth or show the way or, or point to life. He said, I am the truth and the way and the life. And therefore, the beginning of wisdom comes in in putting our trust and our hope in the Lord Jesus and walking by faith in him and the power of his Holy Spirit. And Jesus himself affirmed this. In Matthew 12, where he is chastising the the, the people for being fools and, and turning away from him and from his message, he says in verse 42 of Matthew 12, the queen of the south will arise in judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And Jesus says, And behold, one greater than Solomon is here, standing right in your presence. The treasure of true wisdom, the source of meaningful life, is found in a meaningful relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And that comes as we see and believe and receive and, and, and grow in our, our walk with the one who could truly say, all the words of my mouth are righteousness. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. The one who could truly walk the way of righteousness and the paths of justice without ever straying from them. The one who calls us to come to him and, and find life and receive the blessing of God and and favor of the Lord God. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God to you, for you, and with you. And to know him and to have him as Savior and King is the greatest treasure that we can have in the world. And so we should give all that we have 
to seek to gain him. And so as we set out on our study of Proverbs this summer, it'd be a good time to ask yourself, where am I looking for guidance? Where do I seek wisdom in my life? From whom am I, am I seeking to, to understand how to live wisely? Am I seeking to live according to the wisdom of this world, which all of us have in abundance in the little device that we carry in our pockets, but it will not lead you to true wisdom? Or am I seeking to live according to true wisdom, which is centered in and oriented to the reality of God and his wisdom given to us in the person of Jesus Christ? Am I looking for simple answers to tough questions? Am I seeking the quickest and easiest route to, to satisfying my own desires? Or am I seeking to wrestle with the complexities of life, with the, the hardships that we face, to deal with difficult circumstances and decisions in a manner that, that trusts in the sovereignty of God and the guidance and, and wisdom that he has for us in his word and in his son, Jesus Christ? Am I beginning with God and an abiding, trusting, reverent, honoring relationship with him as father? As I seek to navigate life or am I starting with myself and my needs and my circumstances and moving out from there? Friends, God has given us not only truth, but he's given us wisdom and his spirit to, to know how to apply that truth. And he desires that we seek it with all our heart and life. And he has provided it through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And James says in his letter, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. If there are any of you here this morning that truly lacks wisdom in that you do not know and walk by faith with Jesus Christ, ask God now. And he will give you faith and he will give you salvation in Christ and he will give you guidance and wisdom for life. And as we who walk with Jesus continually face situations where we need wisdom, the Bible doesn't say do this or don't do this. The Bible doesn't say this is how you raise your kids or this is how you send, where you send them to school or this is how you discern a job. Let us ask God for wisdom and applying the principles he has given to us in his word and the wisdom of others around us, we can trust him to lead and guide us on that path. So let's do that right now. Father, we are in great need of wisdom, day in and day out. I can think even right now in my own life of places where I'm not sure what the right decision is or I'm not sure how to enter into this particular situation in a way that gives honor and glory to you. But you, Lord Jesus, are the way and the truth and the life. And so we can come to you and we can trust you to lead and to guide us according to your will and your way. And even when we don't know exactly what the wisest thing to do is. We can trust you in those decisions. And Father, where we fail in wisdom, where we often live foolish lives, we thank you that you came and you walked 
the path of wisdom perfectly. And you took the pain and the punishment for our foolishness upon yourself on the cross. And Lord Jesus, even now as the good shepherd, you promised to lead and guide us to green pastures and through the valley of death by your wisdom and by your grace. And so would you do that in us and through us and for us as we walk this summer through the school of wisdom which you've given us in Proverbs. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.